This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Well, hello and welcome back to the wine situation. Uh, I just said welcome back as though you'd been here before. Perhaps you have. If you haven't, welcome to it. Uh, this is Elle Clifford. Ellen, if you prefer, your host of this here situation with wine that we're about to get into. Uh, as I've said, the situation now with wine is that you're probably getting to start to, you know, interact with the world a little bit. So now uh, think of me not only as not only your virtual drinking buddy, should you be drinking alone, which nobody should drink alone. That's why I can, <laughs> I'm all, you guys, I'm, I'm always here. Uh, at least uh, there's, you know, a hundred-ish uh, podcasts. So you, you can always listen to my voice while you drink. Although just if you do, maybe do it, but just don't, don't, it's a little creepy. A little creepy, don't think. Uh, look, tangenting already. I'm so sorry. The situation, as I was saying, is that now maybe you're getting out, you're drinking with other people, and what I want is to tell you cool things about wine and introduce you to cool wines so that you can be the cool wine friend. Unless I'm around, in which case I will be the cool wine friend. <laughs> Unless you know more than me or are cooler than me. Because you could be like the cool friend who also has wine knowledge, which like the fact that you're not an officially a wine person makes you even cooler. Like maybe I was cooler before I actually really knew stuff about wine when I was just like, oh, I read books sometimes. It's cool. I don't know, guys. Is being cool really that important? Yes. It's super important. Maybe. All right. So that's what the situation is. I feel, you know, like I said, I can be your cool wine friend. I have a diploma from the Wine Spirit Education Trust. I write for Delectable and every so oft Venice and some other sites. I'm a certified sommelier with the Quartermaster Sommeliers, be that what it may be. I sing sometimes when I probably shouldn't. And yeah, uh, those are my creds. <laughs> so, you know, as usual, there's going to be segments. Um, uh, I'm really, t I know I probably sound a little hyper right now, and I think actually performing always makes me a little more hyper than I think I am. But truth is, I'm so tired, guys. I'm so tired, I couldn't even bring myself to wash my hair just now in the shower. Um, Haha, <laughs> that's a joke. I hardly ever wash my hair. If I can if I can get away with it, I don't wash it. I once went about a month without washing my hair, and fortunately my hair is so damn dry. Uh it kind of worked out. <laughs> All right. So, uh, do you want to find out what our segments are before I go into even more tangents? Oh yeah, the tangent about tiredness. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's been so busy and, and I'm tired, so there aren't so many segments this time. But you know, you're you're doing more you're doing more with your life more. Although, oh, maybe that means you have a commute. Maybe I'm not just here to make you the cool wine friend, maybe I'm also here to make your commute better. That just occurred to me, guys. I serve so many purposes in your life. I'm I'm glad I no, really, I'm I, I'm happy to do it. I, I'm just glad I can be of service. Let's, let's have our agenda for the day. Yeah, it's time. So narcissistic as it is, our first segment will be a quick update, although um, it's on wine-related things, most of it. So a quick me update, because as I always say, if this, wine, if this wine is about one thing, it's me. If this podcast is about one thing, it's wine, uh, but also me. 
and then, you know, sometimes cats and goth things, always looking for the goth things. Speaking of which, I'm wearing a, very, a necklace that feels very gothy right now. It's deep green with a silver moon, and um, it's like Slytherin, which is apparently what I am. But I'm, I'm a good one. I'm a nice Slytherin. Like, I'm just, I'm cool like that. Okay? Okay. All right, so we're going to have an update. Then we're going to have a sign of wine times, which uh, is basically like wine news. Then we're going to play the game that's not a game, which is what's in the glass, where I taste you through a wine, a delicious, delicious wine that I am so in the mood to drink right now. This big, beautiful glass is just beckoning for me to not have too many tangents so I can hurry up and drink it. Uh, After we taste the wine, we're going to have an on-the-food side, because I've... I've been promising you this topic for a while, and I, oh, I could almost divide it into more. I, I'll, we'll get there when we get there. There's going to be an on the food side, and then that's it. I have not scheduled a a final five questions, no, no, not yet. Um, but if you want to listen to the most recent one, the last podcast was was a stellar one with my friend Matthew Arnall. So if, if you're missing the sound of somebody else's voice, uh, either listen to another pod. No, no, go back and listen to one of my other ones and then listen to someone else's podcast. Phew. Okay, moving on. Oh, only five minutes in. We are, we're doing good, guys. I'm going to get you in and out, lickety-split, in a good way. So, update. I uh, Actually, I don't remember. Oh, I think I did tell you. So I'm still, I'm undecided. <laughs> this really isn't an update. It's more just like, I'm still on the fence about whether to apply for the Master of Wine program this year. It's something I'm pretty sure I would, I mean, I'm sure I want it. But I just, I'm tired, guys. And right now I have so many other projects going on. Just filling out the application is kind of overwhelming me right now. And I might just wait till next year to do it. Because you know what? Well, I don't know that I have all the time in the world. I don't know what's going to happen. In my poor memory, I'm, I might have more seizures and just it'll just devolve into all chaos. But yeah, I don't know. If, if you have an opinion about whether I should do the MW program, why don't you uh, drop drop me a note on on the Instagram? I'm Ellen Cliff, at Ellen Clifford or at the Wine Situation. Uh, if you're my friend, you can text me and tell me what you think I should do. If you're not my friend but you have my number, you can probably still text me. I'll listen, and uh, you can email me. Uh, probably don't. You know, the Facebook Messenger serves its purpose, but I don't use it that much. You can telegram me, like not with an actual telegram, although that would be badass, but like, you know, the telegram telegram app, if you use it, there's, I'm here, guys. I'm here for you. If you need me, just don't knock on my door without telling me you're coming first. I don't like that. Okay, so yeah, I haven't decided on the MW. Uh, As I said, it's been a little madness recently because, so I, I do write scripts still. And a lot of deadlines are coming up for fellowship programs for studios. So I'm trying to write, not only am I trying to write a lot of my own scripts, but like everyone in my writer's group is working. So, you know, some some weeks in the group, there'll only be one person presenting work. This right now, there's like multiple people presenting every week, which means, you know, you have not only your own stuff to turn in, but you got everyone else's to read and give notes. So, you know, it's work, but you you get what you give. and yeah, so there's that going on. And then also uh, another thing we do to help each other is like, we'll do table reads. And since I still do the actor thing, um, doing table reads once or twice a week of, of scripts, which you know, that 
usually takes takes a takes a chunk of time because then usually you're giving more notes after that and like yeah, I'm, I would like to be a good actor so I prep oh and tomorrow it's like a double header of acting because I, I get to record another cartoon no my episode of if superheroes is real is not out yet but yet we're already recording another one so I'm working on my best Wonder Woman-esque voice because I feel like she has a kind of deep thing I mean I'm not playing Wonder Woman but it's like inspired spoiler alert you probably won't remember by the time this comes out. Um, I'm also tired because the Wine Writer Symposium was held online this year starting at, I'm like, why are we starting at eight in the morning? And most of the people in it are in LA time. It's not like it's, you know, they're like, oh, this is great. It's just like, uh, you know, uh, we're starting late, 11 a.m., but you're like, that's East Coast time. I, okay, I know eight is not that early, but when you stay up all night writing, it's early. And we're just, Going to the symposium tired me. I just stopped complaining about being tired. There was just sort of something intense talking about journalism today, which really got me thinking. To I'm like, do I do that much journalism? I do a lot of like first person type stuff, and but then I was like, oh, I'm kind of jealous of the people that have the type of jobs that they have the time and the budget to do deep dive journalism stuff. Like, I mean, that's cool. Uh, so the other sort of big thing that happened for me involving wine is I think I'd mentioned months ago I was writing a piece about what it's like being a woman in the wine and the various sexism and, and, and I am a lucky one I, who has not been assaulted per se, um, but I was just writing about my own experiences and my misgivings about this industry and how we act in it and how I sometimes think I should act and should I have to and I was really nervous about putting it out there because I tell a lot of I give a lot of true life anecdotes and I was worried you know I should have I didn't name names but then I was like are people going to recognize themselves in this are they going to think I'm being whiny like as this and I mean I was nervous also like I wrote this column like months ago and it was going being passed back and forth and then eventually they're like Antonio wants to talk to you and the parent company to Delectable who I write for the most often is Antonio Galoni's Venice and I've never even like met him and he's wanting to zoom with me actually I think we use like not Google Hangouts it's like another one of those I don't know there's so many things guys so many ways to talk to me so I was like oh my god I'm meeting Antonio for the first time and it's to talk about a piece about sexual assault goodness gracious which, you know, anyway, I was really nervous, but it came out last Friday and I even like posted, I even promoted it on the social, so far the feedback I'm getting, I'm having people I never would have even expected to read it, like read and like, you know, have things to say about it and, you know, say thank you for writing it. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. And one of them was like, I shared, one of them was a winemaker who was like, I shared it with, with the people I work with. I'm like, maybe this will maybe more men in the future will learn not to treat women in wine the ways they shouldn't. So uh, I, just the whole process of this article coming out and the worry about the feedback and then just the emotions, it's uh, so tired, guys, except for right now I'm kind of like, now, now I'm into like, I'm kind of, you can't see me, but I'm kind of like boxer jumping from one foot to the other in this like weird hyper performance mode I go into when I'm performing even when performing means I'm talking into my iPhone at 10:28 p.m. on a Wednesday night I'm recording on a Wednesday that's unusual for me so I think that's enough of an update let's go on to our next segment and yes by the way I promise I'll bring back who what when where why wine soon it's 
I just, I was trying to keep things expedient. I'm doing it for you, really. Okay, so the sign of wine times, you know, maybe so you, maybe some of you read my article already, so you know the results, but you remember how I talked about uh, several episodes ago, back in season five, about how they sent some wine, it was a mystery what the wine was, they sent it into outer space, it was on the International Space Station orbiting, and they're like, what's lack of gravity going to do to the wine? What's the stress? And they also sent some fines. They're like, we don't know. Well, and then that wine splashed down, and it was like forever until we, anyway, we finally found out it was the year 2000, Chateau, Chateau Petrus, which is Merlot from the right bank of, um, it's from Pomerol, which is the right bank of Bordeaux, and it's one of the most expensive wines out there. And so they tasted the space wine next to the wine that had stayed on Earth. And I would have think so that the International Space Station is orbiting the Earth at a rate of five miles a second. That's really fast. Orbiting the Earth every 90 minutes. So when things move like... Theoretical physics is like, and actually, no, they've proved it when, because time is uh, like, you know, it's a, what's the word I'm looking for? Dimension? Uh, is that the word I'm looking for? Anyway, uh, space and time, they're not exactly as linear as people think they are. And when you move faster, time travels less, um, less quickly. So I thought maybe the wines would, maybe the earth wines would seem older, but no, apparently the earth wines were less developed than the space wines. But then I was reading that maybe cosmic rays and not having the uh, the atmosphere to protect wine from it, maybe that had something to do with it, maybe lack of gravity. So it was all just very um, unexpected to me, like theoretical string theory, dorky Stephen Hawking reading. Ellen really, really thought the wines would probably, I did not expect them to have aged more quickly. So there goes my plan to, if, if my vampire, vampiric abilities to not age, partly just because I hide my skin from the sun all the time, if they ever go away, my plan was to rocket myself into the space in hopes that traveling at, you know, fast speeds would slow down my aging process. Uh, but apparently, if I'm anything like wine, and guys, am I? Am I like wine? I, I don't know. <sighs> I just wanted to give you that update about the space wine. I know you were concerned. I was very concerned. Um, I still, I mean, they only opened like one bottle of that space wine. Now apparently they're auctioning one of them off for like a million dollars or something. And I'm like, please, somebody buy me space wine. <laughs> I promise to be your friend forever. I mean, yeah, if you bought me that space wine, I, I probably, I don't, I'm not, actually, I'm not sure how I would even handle that. Not sure I would even know how to handle that, but I'd still taste it. Should we get on to the wine so I can drink? Because I'm ready for this. So normally, um, for the last more than a year, I've been highlighting wines made by women. And this today, you know, I figured since I wrote this whole article, and I figured in honor of all the men that wrote my, read my article about sexual assault and like shared it and, you know, had encouraging things. You, you guys, I'm doing it for the men. I, I'm not drinking a wine made by a woman this week. It actually, no, it's, that would be really silly if I was like, in honor of the men for actually being decent, I'm drinking one of their wines. What it is really is that I was really in the frickin' mood for some fleury which is made of Gamay from Beaujolais. 
Um, and also, as I said, time's been of the essence and I'm trying to finish this article and it might be a line that I include in an article. So what we have today is Chateau de Poncier, 2016 Fleury, Le Pré-Roi. Um, oh God, is it even named like the something king? Well, okay, let's, let's learn a little bit about this winery. It's, it's got a nice little history to it. <clears throat> So according to wine.com, uh, Chateau de Poncier is, I hope I'm saying that right, is one of the oldest and most renowned estates in Fleury, dating back to 949 AD and producing some of the finest wines and the best terroir in Fleury. At the end of the 19th century, Chateau de Poncier wines was even sold at the same price as those of Clos Vougeot, which is a, um, you know, that's a fancy Grand Cru vineyard up in... The, the Cordonnoui. Um, okay, so today Joseph Bouchard oversees the viticulture and Frederic Weber, Bouchard Père Fils, cellar master, the winemaking and aging in pure Burgundian style. All barrels used at the domain come from the Bouchard Père Fils in Boon, seasoned by the aging of several vintages. And then it says, oh, the Chateau de Poncier joined the Henriot family portfolio in 2008. So, okay, that's that's a little history. La, 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 wasn't that fascinating? Um, now here I grabbed the, the text sheet off the actual Chateau de Poncier website because I was like, what is Le pre and why do they call it that? Ooh, did they tell me on the back of the bottle? No, they don't. Okay. Um, so what the text, the text sheet tells me about the terroir is that it's situated on the knoll. Ooh, guys, knoll, K-N-O-L-L. Let's, let's find some more. You guys, give a knoll a chance. I'm actually writing that word down now. I'm like, I need to use uh, knoll. I also, ooh, I'm writing it on the same post-it that I realized I need to use the word Capelmeister more, which apparently is like a choir director. Thank you, friend Alex, for telling me that. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> Tangent, situated on the knoll of Poncier and the hill of Mont-Genin, it's M-O-N-T-G-E with an accent, N-A-S, terroir on slopes of crystalline rock, uh, I think that's like a fancy way of saying granite, um, at the same time dry and demanding, it combines the conditions needed for rediscovering the, this really is telling me nothing about this wine, okay, vineyard and cellars, <clears throat> cultivation of the vine, uh, this is like one of those things where they're somehow saying a bunch about the vine without, they're like, search for optimal ripening and small yields, uh, lower than 45 hectoliters per hectare, and down to 25, they're like telling me a lot of stuff without telling me stuff, um, manual harvesting in cases of 13 kilograms, careful manual sorting of each grape, uh, parcel by parcel vinification in small tanks, 45 hectoliters, cold maceration with one part of whole bunches and one part of de-stocked bunches. You guys, stock and inclusion, it, it can make a difference. Followed by rather long fermentation, 8 to 12 days. Is that that long though? I'm, mm. To allow the terroir aromas to emerge. Gentle punching of the cape. Maturing depends on the vintage. Oh, I should have looked up. Uh, 20 to 30% aging in mature oak barrels, one to four year old. To enrich the silky, velvety texture without sacrificing finesse. I mean, they really are not afraid to be pompous about their wine, and you know what, I'm kind of into it. Um, the remainder is matured for 10 to 12 months in small tanks to preserve freshness, and now I'm not going to look at the tasting notes. 
Oh, I long last after this hell of a, it's only Wednesday, guys, <laughs> and yet this hell of a week. Cheers. Ooh. Mmm. Oh, that is bright. That is light and bright. Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to use in my article. We'll see. Um, just it stylistically might not have something I want for my article. Um, so let's talk about this wine. It is, uh, I'll talk about it like, uh, like I'm doing the grid. It is a rather translucent ruby red going into slightly garnet rim. No evidence of gas or sediment or flocculation. I don't even know if I need to say that. Um, slow thick tears. Mm. This has a medium plus nose with aromas of all the red fruits in the world. Uh, tart cranberry, tart red cherry, tart raspberry. Almost something sour smelling about it. It's really, it's a lot of, it's a lot of red fruit, a little bit of like greenery. What else can I say about the nose? Oh uh, yeah, uh, something almost sour. Now it's just stuck in my head. I heard someone describe that this wine is smelling a little like soy sauce and I actually, there's almost something saline about this. Maybe a hint of rose water? Hmm. It is dry. Ooh, medium acid. Mm. Yeah, medium verging on medium plus. I'm gonna say the alcohol is, oh, the tannins are medium plus actually, and they're like a little, they're not quite integrated. Hmm. Hmm, ooh, now I'm getting like this orange blossom thing. This is very interesting. Um. So I'm gonna say the alcohol level is 13.5. That seems safe. It says 13, so it's probably 13.5. Um. The body is mm, medium plus. <laughs> um, the palette mirrors the 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 nose. I feel like I was expect right now. Maybe it needs a second more to air out. Like maybe it's that I bit the back of my tongue, and I'm like, I feel like I'm not getting quite as much complexity as I would have expected, but let me like swirl vigorously here, because it's just been, poor guy, he's been cooped up in this bottle for five years now, 2016, goodness gracious. Um, well, let's see what else we can deduce on the palette. Mm. Ooh, okay. I actually did that thing where I stopped to think about like um, front palette, mid palette, back palette. And I was like, I get almost like a citrus, punch on the tip of the tongue. Mid palette, I get a, a honking bit of minerality. At the very end, I'm finally the richer fruits are coming in. Like I said, pomegranates, raspberries, cherries, um, and then just a hint of a of, of violet. Some, I think I was hoping, I, honestly, its name is Fleury, and I've had a lot of Fleury's that taste more flowery than this one. Um, this one has a little bit of, of lilac to it, but mm, lilac, violet. And as I said on the nose, oh, it's really interesting. There really is, ooh, it's almost more of like a blood orange uh, citrus nature to this. Um, not really picking up oak, which makes, I think they said one for your barrels. Um, it's a little rough hewn on the tongue. Um, 
Hmm. Hmm. Okay, more is coming out. It's really got quite a interesting like citric acid punch to it, and a mineral drive. Like you picture it as like a red river with silver veins running through it. That is exactly that is what I see when I drink this wine. I have a little synesthesia, guys. A lot of times it manifests itself as clothes, but today it just manifests itself as a red river with silver running through it. And the silver ran through it. Okay. Yeah, the more I swirl, the more I get a little more floral nature on it. The citric, almost an orange blossom, dare I say. Uh, it's a delicious wine. I think it's just one of those wines that's like, yeah... Let that wine take its time. Let it let it take a breath. It's had a long day. It's had a long five-year life. <laughs> and um, yeah, this is interesting. I'm going to be sipping slowly on this all night long. Or, well, not all night long. I'm going to try and not stay up all night because I've been doing a lot of that and then getting up to go to the symposium. <laughs> I don't know why I'm tired. Um, but I will be watching this glass evolve. Were I blind tasted on this, would I know it was Gamay? You know what? I, ooh, oh, I'm getting that stem inclusion now, too. Oh, yeah, this is interesting. Yeah, because I, I just got, like, now the river also has, like, there's um, forest green, <laughs> forest green pine, pine boughs floating through it, too. They're a little prickly, like the tannins. Let's see what they say about it. Um, Tasting notes. Bright, brilliant color, reflecting garnet and violet nuances. Bouquet, fine and elegant, with notes of cherry and blueberry. Palette, extremely expressive, well, with, with time, with a freshness highlighting the balance between structure and aromatic riches. I just, I feel like tasting notes like that don't fucking tell me anything. No offense to whoever wrote Chateau de Ponce's tasting notes. Just my honest opinion. Uh, I want to see, I did print out what some other critics said. So... Berghound.com said a ripe and overtly peppery mix of red and dark fruit cut with plenty of earth character. This can also be found on a beautifully rich, seductive, and opulent flavors that culminate in lingering and slightly warm finish where a hint of bitter peri, <laughs> bitter peri, <laughs> bitter cherry pit arises. Um, hmm. No. <laughs> James Suckling. This has some rather earthy notes. I do, yeah, I get that. And um, a mellow palette with dried berries and gently firm tannins. I feel like these tannins are more than this. Wilfred Wong of Wine.com has some, like, things to say about Beaujolais in general. Like, uh, consumers don't know what to do with Gamay. Um... Ah, shoot, I printed this out and like it cut off half the words, but she says it has vibrant aromas and flavors of ripe red. Um, more vibrance. Find some new words, man. I am like just being really sassy and cheeky and rude to everybody on this podcast tonight. Uh, critics, I'm sorry. I'm just uh, kerfuffled. I think the one thing that we can all agree is that there's a lot of red fruit on this wine. I mean, they all tasted it many years earlier than me is my guess. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. You get the red fruit. You get the, the mineral and the earth. Um, do not get overt peppers. Uh, and the tannins to me are, they're, they're dancing, but they're not quite coordinated yet. 
Um, I would not not recommend Chateau de Pensier. I don't know that I'd go out of my way to look for it again. Huh. Or perhaps I've just become so accustomed to the exquisite work of female winemakers. <laughs> just kidding. Um, guys, men make good wines too. I'm sure non-binary uh, people and gender fluid people do too. Although I have yet to encounter a winemaker who identifies as gender fluid. Maybe I'll be the first. I don't know. Um, let's, let's, I'm just going to keep sipping on this because it's fun and it's yum. Um, it's yum town. And we're going to move on to our last segment of the night. See, it's, oh, I'm going to get you guys out of here so fast. Um, I don't know how much I actually taught you. Do you want to know a couple more facts about Beaujolais and Fleury? Real quick. Yeah, let's do that real quick. So as I said, Beaujolais, it's the southernmost part of Burgundy and it is where Beaujolais Nouveau comes from, but that mostly grows in the south of the region where there's like more clay in the soil and like they do this thing called carbonic maceration, which it's, it's complicated, but it makes wines that taste overtly different than this. And, but Fleury is one of the 10 crew villages of Beaujolais. They don't even put Beaujolais on the label. You just have to know that Fleury is from Beaujolais. There's, as I said, nine others. There is, let's see if I can do this fast, Saint-Amour, Julianna, Chayna, moulin then comes Fleury, south of that is Chirobe. I might have said that wrong. For a long time I was like, Chirobles. Um, so there's Chirobe, then Morgoun, then Renier, uh, Brie and Cote de Brie. I think I got them all. So yeah, there's those, if you see those on a label, you know it's Gamay, you know it's from Beaujolais, you know it's a Cru. Um, they tend to not use carbonic maceration in, in the Cru village. Some do, some use partial. But basically it's like, man, Gamay. Gamay has many guises. So... Um, you know, still continental, um, a lot of granitic soil in, in the northern crews. Uh, they have pink granite and blue granite, and granite tends to be sandy and free-draining, which probably is part of the reason, oh, and rather poor nutrient-wise, which is actually good for the grapes. It's kind of like human beings, we need fat to survive, but if we eat too much of it, we get fat and boring. I don't know. That was really rude. I... That, that that was that was not appropriate to say. I'm sorry, guys. Um, basically, just like you don't want to give your vines too many nutrients or they get lazy about making the fruit taste good. I'll leave it at that. Uh, okay, th those were all your like factoids about Beaujolais for, for now. I am very excited about on the food side, although I don't have any potatoes here, so I'm a little worried what's going to happen after this podcast when I'm like, oh, I really want a potato. I do have asparagus to roast, though, so maybe I'll do that. Um, so I remember before I did a, on the food side, like on the flip side, but on the food side, that I called on the glory of french fries, which was originally I was going to do on the glory of potatoes, but then I just got stuck at french fries because there's so many types of french fries. Anyway, if you want to revisit that, it's you can find it. I don't remember what episode it is right now, but you can find it. Um... So I wanted to go through like some of the other glorious and some not so glorious styles of potato eating. I'm sure I will miss some. Please tell me, please agree with me, disagree with me. 
I'm gonna start with our like these are in no particular order except for I was like kind of like probably the least favorable thing to do with your potato and yet I do it when I'm freaking hungry and I want a baked potato is microwaving microwaved potato eh you can also although I have also been known to slice it ultra thin and do like microwave potato chips just for kicks and giggles shits and giggles Sh shits and kicks get your kicks sorry okay tangent so yeah that that is something you can do with the potato if you want to eat it fast and i have sometimes really not wanted to wait an hour for a baked potato although if you cut them into segments we'll get there um so then i was thinking what am i like things that unless okay so here's the thing with hash browns is there's so many Types. There's the type that are just like the loose shreds and then there's sort of the cubed up ones that's like a hash and like that maybe someone's gonna put an egg on and then there's the um, the, there's the, the, the stringy ones but they kind of form a solid cake and then I okay so that like I like I, I don't know kind of like I don't love right I like a food that has some sort of cohesiveness to it like so some hash browns like Look, guys, McDonald's hash browns. I hope they bring back all-day breakfast soon, because, man, oh, there's the glory of a McDonald's hash brown. It cannot be denied. It shall not be denied. If you dare deny it, I will have concerns for you and our friendship, because I'm assuming we're friends. <laughs> um... Yeah, seriously, I hope you like McDonald's uh, hash browns. Those are like the little patties, and they are just delightful. But yeah, like the more stringy and the loose ones, and even the ones that kind of are loosely shredded, but then like you make, I don't know, I'm really, look, guys, or the cubed ones, like they have to be like done just right so they, they get like crispy edges, so they have like chewy nebbliness to them, and there has to be butter involved. Otherwise, um, if unless it's like a cohesive like hash brown like you get from McDonald's, I'm not into hash browns that much. Next up that I'm surprisingly not into is potato chips. Um, don't get me wrong, potato chips are yummy. If they're there, I will likely eat a couple, but like, I don't know, maybe it's something like certain types of fried food and I don't get along. There's something about it that just like, it's cloying. I feel like I taste potato chip for the rest of the day and it's one of those tastes that much like a delightful bit of red onion is like, this is so good. And then you're like, I am tasting this for the rest of the day and this is not good. And so you take another sip of your wine. Um, so yeah, potato chips I can really do without in my life. Tortilla chips, that's another story. Doritos, don't even get me started, but potato chips, I can do without. Okay, next I have roasted potatoes. This is probably my most common thing where you just kind of like cut a potato into, well, usually I do it with smaller potatoes, red potatoes, baby potatoes. You cut them in half or quarters or whatever. Um, and if you, if you have the patience, actually, you parboil them briefly first and then roast them and something about that gives them a really nice texture but a lot of times i just uh cut them up and give them a either a bit of olive oil or uh, honestly if i'm gonna be honest i this is terrible y'all are gonna hate me i'm a terrible person but sometimes i use butter flavored 
pan and I just like lightly mist things and then I put salt and pepper on them and into the oven they go and out they come 20 to 30 minutes later um crispy and delicious and then I dip them in salsa or um, employ more salt or put triple salt on them so roasted like it okay baked potatoes this is another subject because there's a lot of I went through a phase where I tried all different methods of baking potatoes there's really slow ones there's I settled on one or two and I haven't made them in forever and I didn't <laughs> I didn't look them up for them they're this one that's like a Brit British method um the main thing I have to say about baked potatoes is you guys eat that skin in general if you can eat the potato skin like potato skin is delicious especially if you roast just ripe and like just ripe just right and like the skin gets crispy and the insides creamy and has the right texture and like you just give it a little salt maybe a pat of butter um i've never been into loaded potatoes to me that just seems like a mess of flavors i don't want messed up together and i it's like not going to be the right temperature by the time i get to the potato and i'm just like i'm not into it um but a well done baked potato that i can just eat the whole thing with some salt always salt if you're gonna have potatoes look potatoes love salt potatoes just absorb salt and it's kind of like my body that doesn't retain sodium like the potatoes soak up the salt but like suddenly it's like the salt's not there where to go i don't know we better get more salt that happens with potatoes anyway a well done baked potato into it potato soup okay here's the thing hmm not usually into it if it's like for if it's a completely creamy one then i'm definitely not into it because i like soups with some you know texture and chunks but then like the ones with chunks usually the rest of it seems watery i have yet to have oh no wait i take that back i did have it was like a veloute or something it was it was at Republique, but they first it was a whole it was like a ritual maybe that contributes so first you're presented with this little bowl and, and so there was texture there were like little things in the bowl i don't remember what they were maybe there were other potato chunks maybe there was like there was something to give it texture and then they came around with this little pitcher and it poured the steaming fresh and like a velvety to like a standard that you don't even can't quite explain velvety um potato soup and it was just small because the whole big bowl of potato soup though like uh, if you're gonna do potato soup it has to be poured from a small bowl over like a little accoutrement um by someone who's also pouring you champagne like uh, this was a champagne dinner republic it was <laughs> beyond what i ever thought i would get to write about in my life I, it was for something i was writing about so you know i was i was working hard for the potato soup um yeah oh that's funny i totally thought i was gonna just go off on potato soup and then suddenly i had the memory of that and that was like that was magic potato soup okay that's like cheating that's i i don't even know <sighs> once again i think my food part's gonna be about as long as my wine part of this podcast which makes sense considering i start as a food writer i have a lot of opinions and i'm pretty much okay with putting them out there um let's move on from soup if you want to try and make me potato soup oh that's the other thing i was gonna say is it just it's you don't need a whole bowl of potato soup it needs to be like an appetizer as it was at republique <gasps> i have to go back to republique okay <clears throat> So this is the one probably actually for me. So here's the thing. Mashed potatoes could, like French fries, be an entire another category. There's like whipped potatoes. And then there's mashed. And then there's um, slightly different mashed. And then there's like silky mashed. There's so many different styles of mashed potatoes. 
um my my poor my mom has like it's so sad because i feel bad for her because she has just slightly different taste bud preferences than pretty much on some specific foods than on the rest of the family like she likes a whipped potato i do not like a whipped potato to me that is you just might as well eat glue but not glue like fluffy glue i don't know i do not like a whipped potato a mashed potato i'm like that's fine but do I really, like, there's various, like, thicknesses, you know. Basically, uh, if it calls itself mashed potato, but there's a lot of other stuff in it and there's skin and it's actually, actually a smashed potato, that I can do. Uh, my uh, Thanksgiving, so my family has certain Thanksgiving foods. We do roasted asparagus, even though it's always out of season um, at that time, but we like it. Uh, so my brother has this like smashed potato recipe where he he smashes these red potatoes and once again oh my poor mom she does not like the skin in there and the rest of us do and so we try and like compromise um and then he puts I think he puts like a lot of like just like that generic parmesan cheese in there he might put some uh tabasco in there I'm not sure what else he does with it but they're delicious so smashed potatoes I can do I I guess I just like texture, guys. I don't know. Um, moving on. Tater tots. Very important. Sort of French fry adjacent. Uh, who doesn't like a tater tot? And tater tots are what um, elementary school high, uh, elementary school cafeterias smell like. Uh, maybe they're also what middle school and um, high school cafeterias smell like, but my middle school and high school didn't have a cafeteria, so I don't know. I love a good tater tot. Not as much, though, as I love, like, a hash brown patty, which is, like, kind of closer to them. But, yeah, sometimes, like, a good, a good bowl of tots. Can you go wrong? Which reminds me, for a while, my favorite bar, Covell, had tater tots, but it was horrible because they didn't have a good venting system. And so there's a while I didn't want to go to Covell because you knew everything was going to taste like... Everything, your clothes, your hair, everything was going to smell like fried stuff later and then they stopped doing them they started oh well they do a roasted potato there that's just like the perfect roasted potato you've you've heard me talk about covell potatoes <sighs> they're so good but anyway i did enjoy also when you could could get uh tots there um hasselback potatoes that's a whole people are really into hasselbacking things hasselback for those of you who don't know it's when <clears throat> you do a lot of very thin you have you have a potato a full potato and you do going horizontally no, I mean, so the, imagine the potato long ways in front of you and you're doing lots of small cuts the short way. I don't know if I'm describing this correctly. Um, so you just get lots of little tiny slices, but you don't cut all the way through. And then you put like butter and stuff on it and you bake it like that. And I guess it's supposed to be sort of, I don't know. It's just never like, it kind of looks cool. looks like an accordion and that's nice. But to me, it's never quite, it's like it kind of wants to be a little crispy and it kind of wants to be a little like smooth and it's just never one thing or the other. So look, Hasselbacks, I appreciate you. You look good. You are stylish. Are you, uh, I'm trying to find a metaphor the, for this. Uh, maybe it'll come to me later. Moving on, boiled potatoes, why? <laughs> That's what you do if you're gonna like smash them, right? a little boil um duchess potatoes i think i'm remembering the term correctly i think that's where like you whip potatoes up and then you mix like some egg white in and you bake them in shapes i honestly am not sure if i've had them oh and there's like palm 
pom pom anat where they like I've never had that eat. there's a few potato dishes I haven't had so I can't really comment on them you guys potatoes get into it the Martian did if you haven't seen the Martian see it um and then I just <laughs> I was riffing here and I just put lastly cheesy fiesta potatoes because you can get them again at Taco Bell guys cheesy fiesta potatoes you can't get they're delicious I love them. I thank you, Taco Bell, so much for bringing them back. If you ever take them away, I will have unhappy things to say in my podcast. I know, um, guys. That was the glory of potatoes. I probably missed some like very important categories. I'm not sure. I think that was pretty thorough. I've now spent like a full like longer than I should amount of time talking about potatoes, and honestly. I could do a whole segment on mashed potatoes. I could do a whole segment on Hasselbeck. I could talk about tater tots for days. <sighs> Maybe I should have a separate food podcast. But do you guys like this? Oh, so let's talk about what we pair potatoes with, just to bring it back to wine, before we close it out. Tater tots. Mm. Pretty much any of the fried things will go well with a sparkling wine, although I do have an affinity for french fries and a Spätburgunder which is Pinot Noir from Germany. I don't know why. To me, they just seem to go together really well. Potato chips, you gotta have with bubbly. Roasted potatoes. Oh, oh, I like those with like an interesting white wine with like some texture to it, like maybe a Roussan. A Roussan, which actually is named, I think, because apparently the grapes like look sort of russet, like a potato. So like, mm, a roasted potato with a Roussan. Ooh, that sounds good. Baked potatoes, depending what you're doing, that depends a lot what you're, what you're doing with them. Potato soup, like I said, I'm just so like, potato soup should only be so fleetingly in your menu, like a tiny little, a tiny little taste or two of it, and it's gone, so it doesn't really matter, but we'll just say bubbles. Um, mashed, whipped, smashed, let's put that with either a vermentino or like, if it's got a lot of cheese and stuff, let's go crazy. Let's put it with an alianico, something with like a lot of heft to it. If it's got a lot of fat in it, if it's, if it's one of those. Ooh, if it has a lot of garlic though, what if it's garlic mashed potatoes? Because that's a whole other thing. What if it's wasabi mashed potatoes? Then, ooh, ugh. That's, that's hard to pick a wine to go with because not anything tannic. Um, do, 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 tater tots. Doesn't matter, just have fun. Cheesy Fiesta potatoes, doesn't matter, just have fun. Hasselback, just don't make them. Um, that was like really not a useful tasting uh, pairing thing. That's probably because I didn't prepare. If I listen to this later, I'm going to be like ashamed that I didn't have all these brilliant pairings that I've probably thought of before. <sighs> is that enough for you guys? Probably. Oh, we're at 45 minutes. This is more than enough. Um, and most of it's been about potatoes on a wine podcast. So take home story is uh, don't go into outer spice unless you want to age faster, unless you're absolutely sure you're not like fine wine. And if you listen to this, you might be like fine wine. Mm. I love Gamay. Um, Fleury is delicious. This wine keeps, this wine does indeed like keep opening up. Like I get more of the earth notes, more of the mineral, more of the stem. I was, ugh. You get a little bit of violet, but I was hoping for, like... The funny thing about a lot of the Cru Beaujolais is they, like, kind of taste, like, their name. So this one I was fully full-on, like, expecting more flowers because I've had a lot of very floral flurries. And I'm not getting it on this one, so 
this may not be fit for the article I'm writing. I don't know. Um, what else? Eat potatoes. Eat Japanese sweet potatoes. They taste completely different potatoes, but they're like uh, just a whole nother subject themselves. Have a good week. Um, treat everybody nicely. Be good to humans. Uh, say hi to me on Instagram. Rate, review, and etc. on Apple Podcasts if, if you feel like it. And uh, yeah, I'm doing this every couple of weeks. I By the time I come back, I probably will have gone on a little trip, but I'm not sure if I'll record before or after I go. I Hopefully by the time you hear another episode, maybe I'll be done with the script. We'll see, guys. We'll see. I kind of like this every couple of weeks because I have more to tell you, which is, I don't know, maybe you don't care. If you're listening this far, you might actually care, though. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Enjoy your life. Drink good wine. Do good things. And, uh, yeah, keep being cool. Cheers. Glass! I just drink wine! I just drink wine. I don't fuck with minute names. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with coffee mates. I just drink wine. Give me red, white, or say, Don't touch me, motherfucker. I'm a Somaliite. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.